0: All right, so we've been talking about going from a moment to a movement, thus this really cool graphic right here that I colored. I use just colored pencils, and I do all the graphics here. I'm very artistic. No, there's a really great team around me that uh, helps me with all that kind of stuff. Um, but that is our sort of our, our marching orders. For three years, we're in the beginning of the third year of this journey. Um, and, you know, I just ask our campus pastors, like, why is this so important? This week, as I was writing my message and, and looking again at that story of uh, King David leading his son Solomon and the nation of Israel to build the first worship facility for God, the temple. And as I was working on that message, I just sent him a text message say, guys, tell me why this is important. Why these buildings? Why creating more space? Why does the church have to grow? And, uh, they, they, they shared some stuff with me, you know, due, due to a, a real drug epidemic rising, uh, in, in our area, there's actually not enough homes for all of the foster children, for instance, in Coleman County right now. Uh, they they're literally when DHR has to go into a crisis situation and they need to bring children out of a dangerous situation, they already know they don't have space for them. Like they, they have to sometimes leave children because there's nowhere to put them. And it just, underscores how important community transformation is not now. we need to be foster parents and we need to adopt children and we need to do the immediate needs for those kids that are immediately in crisis but how many of you know there's a bigger underlying need where people need to have a relationship with Jesus Christ so he can set them free from these generational patterns that are destroying families all the way around us some of you you know this like that you work with families that are just in in chaos you maybe you go to school with families like that maybe some of your own families family are in those places. And that is why we need community transformation through the love and power of Jesus. You know, just five miles or five minutes away from our good ho- our Hartzell campus, there was a domestic violence call. The police came to check on the situation. Uh, the, the father in the home had a gun. He ran back to the tool shed, barricaded himself in there, and after a long standoff, shot himself took his own life. That's just five minutes from our campus right there. You can pick up the Hartzell Inquirer, the, the local paper in Hartzell, and every day you're reading about a different family issue, a different drug issue. Uh, Pastor Tom told me that there was one day in the summer of, of uh, at Morgan County Court, a grand jury handed down 62 indictments in one day, and 58 of them were drug-related charges most of those being uh, you, you know, heroin or, or crystal meth. And that's why living free is so valuable and so important, and it's why what we do really truly matters. I was talking to Pastor Eli in our Madison campus, and he was telling me that a guy that worked out at his gym in his in his thirties, young guy uh, who who uh, was suffering from PTSD from his military service just recently took the life. He he had a uh, an episode with PTSD, took the life of his seven year old son, and then turned and, and took his own life. You know, folks, that is why, you look around, there is such a great need for the gospel of Jesus Christ. You say, well, why why does there need to be another church building? There doesn't need to be one more church building. There needs to be spaces where people meet God. There's a truly, I could care less if there's another steeple hung anywhere. No problem against steeples, y'all. I don't have any trouble with steeples. But I don't care if there's more stained glass windows created anywhere. What I want is people to come in and and be introduced to a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. Because here's the thing. While we're drowning in drug addiction and teen pregnancy and problems, uh, poverty and, and sickness, while we're drowning in that, guess what? Simultaneously in Alabama, we're drowning in religion dead, useless, empty religion. I want to tell you, I didn't decide to give my life when I was in college and God called me. I talked about that that, that story last week as a teenager when God called me into ministry. I didn't decide to give my life to dead, empty, human, man-made religion. I want to introduce people to the life and power of the Spirit of God. That's why we are here. That is why we do what we do. We're creating a saint. You know, we, we, we looked at that word last week, the Old Testament word sanctuary, the Hebrew word, which means a place where people meet God. It, it means a, a sacred place where the presence of God is found. That could be in, in a building that doesn't look at all like a traditional church. And it, it doesn't even have to be in a building. It needs to be spaces where we are expanding God's love. You know, this weekend, you know, we, we saw dozens, if not hundreds of people out in our community serving, loving on people, reminding people that they matter to God. And because they matter to God, they matter to us. Is that, is that truly how you feel as a follower of Jesus Christ? That people matter to you because they matter to Jesus. And because He would give His life for them, they may, they may frustrate me. I may not agree with their choices. I may not agree with their lifestyle. But if Jesus would give His life and shed His blood for them as He did for me, they matter to me also. Is that, is that true? Come on, give God praise. If you agree with that, I don't care their color. I don't care their sexual orientation. I don't care what they do. We're going to come into the house of God. We're going to preach the truth of God's word. And you know what? Sometimes God's word offends me. And sometimes it offends you. And everybody else that we love, it might straighten them out too. But let's let God do the straightening out and let us be his arm of love and compassion. So that that's who we are. And, and here's what I believe. I, I really believe our church has been given a special opportunity. I don't know why. Uh, Now, I can't help but say I believe that we're his favorite church. I just think we are. I mean, surely he can't be this good to anybody but us. I mean, (laughs) that's a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but I mean, I do feel like we've been chosen, and God's hand is on our church, and it's an opportunity. It's a really, it's a chance to make a difference uh, to see God's hand. Like, every week there's another story, and there's another testimony, and there's another family that's been changed, and 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 it feels like there's momentum building. You know, I just got a call from a pastor of a, another church in Mobile, not a church that we help plant, never been on our staff, but but a, but a church who said, "Hey, I'm putting a hundred thousand dollar check in the mail to help build an orphanage, uh, a Daystar orphanage in Uganda." Can we give God praise for that? Another church, just boom, we want to do that. And he said, "By the way, you just keep sending me receipts as you as you build that building because we've already set aside another hundred thousand dollars." To, to help build this orphanage. So we already have plans, y'all. We're going to be able to house 500 orphans in Africa in this new facility. And, and when I say, y'all, we're, we're going from a moment to a movement. this is bigger than us. I want you to think that building is going to be standing when I'm dead and gone. Let that sink in for a minute. When all of us are are gone to meet our reward with Jesus, there'll be a building that's there. Man, there might not be a building, you know, that that you might not have passed down millions of dollars or big houses to your children. Let me tell you what we will all have done. Together, we will have done something bigger than us, that's bigger than all of us, that outlasts all of us, and there'll be children who are being embraced who don't have an earthly mother and father. They'll be embraced by loving Christians, and they'll be taught the love of God They'll meet Jesus. They will have been orphaned in an an Islamic culture, and they'll meet Jesus because, and and in this case, we didn't even do it. (laughs) Another church was inspired by what we're doing, and they came along beside of us. That's why I tell you that I feel like God has placed us strategically as a faith family to do something that's bigger than us. Yeah, and I truly believe... I truly believe that our church is at a crossroads. I I believe I heard from God that our story could be like this, this really cool church that for 30 years or so, you know, did something amazing and that was really cool. Or it could be more than a moment. It could be like a movement. That went more than 30 years, went longer than our lifestyle, went longer than my ministry or your time. But like your children and and grandchildren, I'm talking to the youngest person hearing my voice right now, like your grandchild. And you're like, I don't have, I am a grandchild. Yeah. But one day you'll, you'll be a grandparent. And like, I'm seeing way beyond where we are right now. And so it's a really special opportunity that we're in right now. And that's the word that as I worked on this message this week resonated in my heart. Everybody say opportunity. I feel like God has given us an opportunity. And and there's two things that you have to do with an opportunity. If you're taking notes, just write these down. First of all, opportunities require a step. It's there. Like an opportunity means something can happen, but it might not. Right? That's what an opportunity means. It's not a done deal. It's not a sure thing. It requires that you take a step. Now, that's why David, when he's leading Israel, the nation of Israel, to build the first worship facility for God, <clears throat> he says this to him: Look sharp now. God has chosen you to build his holy house. Be brave and determined and what, church? Shout it out and do it. Do it. Like, like he, He's looking at them and they're like, Should we do it? And he's like, do it, you know? He's like, go, take that step because opportunities always require a step. You're standing in front of it, you're not sure, and you say, you know what, let's do this thing. You think about Peter. Other than Jesus, he's the only man who ever walked on water. He didn't wake up that day. You know that story, right? It's it's a boat, it's a, a hurricane. And Jesus says, Come to me, and he leaves the boat and he walks on water. I promise you, Peter didn't wake up that morning thinking to himself, You know what I'm gonna do today? I'm gonna walk on water. He didn't get in that boat that day. You know, it's kind of sketchy out there and it looks like some clouds, and he knew, you know, he knew the weather because he's a professional fisherman. He, I promise you, he didn't go, You know what? We get about halfway across the other side of this sea, it's gonna get pretty spicy out there, and I'm gonna walk on water. That's not what he had in mind, but he had an opportunity. And here's the scary thing about opportunities. Sometimes opportunities don't look like opportunities. They just look scary. Sometimes they just look dumb. Right? Like that would be dumb to walk on water. Like like why why would I do that? And, and and you know, but it's just there. It presents itself. And here's the second thing about opportunities. They have a shelf life. That they don't last forever. So when when Jesus said, "Hey Peter, come." Step out of that boat. Come walking on the water to me. Peter didn't do this. This is kind of what would have been my mindset. He's like, you know, Jesus, that's a that's an that's an interesting idea. Walk walking. I I could get down with that. Like when things settle down, you know, and there's not a lot of wind and waves and and things chill out. You know, first chance I get, I'm I'm actually I'm gonna walk. I'm gonna do that. Maybe get the boat a little closer to the side, you know. Right now, I got my good clothes on. Maybe get on some swim pants, you know, just in case it don't work out, you know. And and get closer over to the shore, maybe about waist deep. I think I'll go ahead and do it. See, that's not how opportunities work. They have a shelf life. Peter had a chance to do something. Let's just say it. It was immortal. Like he, and anytime you're on a list with Jesus, you're the only two people to ever do anything. I mean, that's a pretty good list. Right. he had a chance to do something immortal like he he had a chance to do the walk on water but it it had that moment now here's the thing i'm thinking about right now like when we decided to expand our church and go after the lost in an unprecedented way build new buildings start new churches do all these things that this move journey is 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 stepping into back in 2019 we didn't know it was going to get winds and waves and crazy stuff right we didn't know about a pandemic like we didn't know about uh, you know like like a supply chain problem and inflation and cost and stuff. But we, and mentally I would go like, let's, let's, you know, God, that's a great idea going from a moment to that almost rhymes. That's really cool. And when things settle down, when things get kind of back to normal, God, I think we'll step out there. I think we'll challenge this church. I think we'll do some stuff like that. But here's the thing, you know who did know the wind and the waves were going to come up when he sent Peter on the boat Jesus. You know who did know what was going to happen when Jesus called him out of that boat? Jesus. And here's what I, I stand by. Jesus knew we were going to be in this season when he called us to make this big step of faith. And Jesus is going to be with us when we try to walk on water. Can I hear an amen? amen. Give him praise if you know it now. So so here's the thing. I'm, I'm challenging our church to do two things. Two things. Um, and, and it starts with this verse right here. This is really the same thing. This has been my my model. If you're like wondering where's this idea coming from, the model has been straight from how David led the children of Israel. Uh, In in 1 Chronicles 29 and 5, he says, Now, how about you? Who among you is ready and willing to join in the giving? This is what David David said. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to lead this thing by example. I'm going to give. I'm going to be sacrificial. And I want to challenge you to do the same thing. And so here's the two things. I pray our church does in unity, we make a sacrifice. That, that each of us, we're not talking about equal giving, but we're talking about equal sacrifice like every one of us gives. Now, in your worship guide today, we put this thick card right here. It's a commitment card that I want you to take home and pray over. And if you're new to our church, if this is your first time to be with us, this is, uh, you make a paper, paper airplane out of it if you want to, or fold it up, put it in your pocket and pray over it. But it, it's really not not really to say if you're a newcomer, we, we want you to give money to something. But if you're a newcomer, we just want you to hear our heart and see where the church is going. Because I want to say this, Daystar Church is not church for dummies, Okay. There's a lot of churches that are like, well, you know, like when they first came out with certain uh, computer programs and you couldn't figure it out and they made these books that would be like Windows for Dummies or, you know, email for Dummies or something like that. We're not, we're not church for Dummies. We want to change the world and changing the world is hard work and requires commitment and sacrifice. I make no bones about it. We want to do something big for the Lord. So we want you to pr- pray over how you want to be a part of this journey. And we, we've set a goal to raise $5 million over three years outside of our budget. I told you last week we were already over. $3 million, that's a wonderful, that, that means some of you, uh, a lot of you were already super faithful, made huge sacrifices, and I just thank God for you so much. But I told you last Sunday that I was going to announce a pretty amazing testimony this Sunday, and I'm going to tell you that. Um, we have, this is probably the biggest I don't know, financial testimony in the history of our church, we need to raise $2 million in the next year all right, to reach our goal outside of our, of our normal giving and our normal operations. Well, I was informed recently of one family in our church who has said in this last year from November till next November, they want to match everybody's gift up to $1 million from one family. Can you stop and praise God for that? That's not Like one family that says, you know what we'll do? If you give twenty dollars, we'll add twenty to it. If you give a hundred dollars, we'll add a hundred. You give ten thousand, we'll add ten thousand dollars all the way up to a million dollars. So if our whole congregation could give a million, one other family says, we're gonna add a million dollars to that. That is shocking and amazing. I can't stop smiling. <laughs> and, and and you know, I, I've thought about this a lot, how to tell this, because I've known I was gonna tell this for months how to tell this. And and I realize that like those kind of numbers can be kind of demotivating because you can say, well, man, if that could happen, won't just let the millionaires do all this, right? You know, if they could do that, what does my little gift matter? I want to tell you two things your little gift does. First of all, it makes you a part of something bigger than yourself. Don't ever underestimate that that you're doing something that matters and and it goes beyond you. I certainly can't give those kind of figures. I don't have those kind of figures, but I want to do something and I want to do my part. And the second thing it means, it means unity. And there is nothing more valuable than unity. I told you last week, like you can have a church with all the money in the world, uh, all the population surrounding it in the world, all the talented leaders in the world. If you don't have unity, it's going nowhere. That's not my opinion, y'all. That, that, that like, like, there are many case studies of that. I've been to a lot of places. I've seen a lot of churches have giant buildings, giant budgets, super talented people, and are doing very little for the gospel of Jesus Christ because they lack unity. And when you get on board, you say, I'm going to get in unity. And, and, you know, I just have to say this, too, about this one generous family. It shocks me that they're able to do this, but they've been praying and asking God to help them to do this for years. They have targeted this goal for years. It's, it's not a family that just says, well, you got so much extra money, let's just throw some at the church. It's, re- it's really not. It's, like, really, really difficult. They've they're, they're, Their goal... This church changed their life, changed their family several years ago and has guided them, the Lord using this church, to guide them for, for many years. And they just said, we want to do something significant. And they have been working toward being able to make this huge gift during this season for a long time. They don't want to be known. They don't want their name on anything. They ask one thing. They just ask one thing. Pastor, I want to give this amount, but I, I want to make it a matching thing because I just want to motivate other people to also be generous and to see how that generosity will bless their own life. So I praise God for it. I want you to think about it. I want you to take this card home and and pray about it. And and listen, I believe that we all have something to do. I've always wanted to be a leader in in generosity and giving uh, and stretch myself as as you stretch yourself. But you just let God speak to you, okay? If God doesn't speak to you, then you don't have to worry about it. But let the Lord speak to you. Is that okay? Everybody say Amen. So we're asking everybody to make a sacrifice and just see it through. This is why we're here. Two years ago, I handed you something that looked like this, except instead of one year on it, it had three years. Hundreds of people filled it out, gave $3 million over the last two years. And I just want to thank you for seeing it through and and just challenge you over the next year to see it through. I'll tell you where my family was. Two years ago, when we decided to do this, God put a number in our heart that just... I was super excited and kind of scared about it, you know, all at the same time. Uh, a lot of people shared with me the same thing, you know, when we when we started this thing. So we cut out cable and or our, uh, we, we cut back our. We couldn't turn off the satellite because of contracts. We cut it way back and we cut off satellite radio and just a lot of stuff, Netflix and all kind of stuff. And we, we made these these big goals. And let me tell you what happened. Nothing. We didn't have Netflix or money. Sometimes when you just make a big step of faith, you just step in a hole. I'm just going to tell you like, this is very motivating pastor. Thank you. Really want to write a big check right now. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. I've been here 20 years leading this church. Should the Lord allow me to, I hope to do it 20 more years. Okay. Okay. So I'm not gonna stand up here and tell you something that's just a fairy tale. We didn't get to where we are today by me preaching the false prosperity gospel. We're not gonna start today. Write a big old check and God'll be one waiting on you in your mailbox. No, you write a big old check and you did the right thing. You were selfless in the same, in the same spirit of Jesus who gave his own blood and life, you gave something. End of story. Praise God, that's the reward. You did something for somebody else. And then sometimes you go, what the heck? How did I get blessed? And then you look back and you go, you know what? That was a seed in the ground and God blessed it. And you know, uh, the first 18 months of this journey for my family, it was just no Netflix. You know, it's just, it's just tight. And, and then just God just started blessing us in unexpected ways and just wonderful blessings on our life. Cause God just won't owe anybody anything. You know that about God. He just won't owe you. He just won't. He'll bless you in in ways that sometimes have to do with money. Most of the blessings don't have anything to do with money. They're just bigger than money. You know, I was telling somebody about this whole move journey. The the smallest and easiest part of this move journey is the money. That's the easiest part. America is covered up with money. There's plenty of money. I ain't worried about money. Well, pastor, the costs have doubled. I'm not worried about it. There's plenty of money tell you what America is in short supply of sacrifice and unity man we just work on giving of ourselves man just loving people and serving maybe you're a college student and you know you you can't hardly give a cup of coffee to somebody that's all right give that cup of coffee in Jesus name man that's awesome that's as much as somebody's million dollar gift am I getting is that all right amen to that man just love on somebody It's about who you are becoming, not about what you're giving, what you look like, what people think about you, what you've done. God is about who you are becoming, who God wants you to be. What does it matter if we build a gigantic ministry that reaches a lot of people if we replicate them into something that is not godly anyways? Remember what Jesus said to the Pharisees? He said, you're ne- neither are you going to the kingdom of God, nor will you get out of the way and let other people go to the kingdom of God. He said, you're, you're, you're blocking the way for anybody. There are a lot of churches that raise big money and big, big buildings and have great big TV ministries. And they create more people that are just like them, which by the way, is not a good thing. Doesn't matter to have a great church reaching lots of people. If we can't do real true discipleship and and show them how to love people and how to serve. And that's really what discipleship is. The apostle Paul, who wrote 13 books in the New Testament, said, follow me as I follow Jesus. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Somebody's following you. Nah, pastor, I don't want to be followed. I don't want to be a leader. Sorry. That's just how life works. Somebody's following you. Some friend is following you. Some family member's following you. If you're a parent, your children are following you. So what we want to do have the right attitude i love david's attitude when when we kind of got to the end of the fundraising part and they were about to actually build the building this is uh first chronicles 29 and verse 10 and following listen to this david stands up in front of the whole congregation i want you to receive this are you ready everybody say i'm ready let this sink in this is so good It's a bunch of pages, all right, because I'm going to read a lot. David blessed God in full view of the entire congregation. Here's what he said. Blessed are you, God of Israel, our Father from old and forever. To you, O God, belong the greatness and the might, the glory, the victory, the majesty, the splendor. Yes, everything in heaven and everything on earth, the kingdom, the whole kingdom is yours. Can you say amen to that? Still true today, 3,000 years later. You've raised yourself high over all. Riches and glory come from you. You're the ruler over everything. Come on, can we say amen to that? And that what you want to do when you come to church on Sunday is tell the Lord basically what David just said. God, you are everything to me. There's nothing apart from you. So he says all that, and then he says, but me, who am I? And who are these people? That we should presume to be giving something to you. You ever feel that way? How, How can I presume I'm giving you something? Everything comes from you. And all we're doing is giving back what we have been given from your generous hand. Can I hear an amen to that? So he says, God, our God, all these materials they had given money and gold and silver, but they'd also given materials to build the facility. All this pile of stuff for building a house of worship to you, honoring your holy name, it all came from you. Can you say amen to that? Now, don't you want to say that, God, whatever I give you, Lord, whatever I do, it all came from you. If it's just the energy to play the keyboard, it came from you. If it's the talent to set the mood of prayer by playing the keyboard beautifully as Greg is doing, right. That talent came from you. I just want to give it back to you. People say like, how can you get up, Pastor Jerry, in front of all those people and talk like that? I'm like, dude, I just, first of all, I love it. I enjoy it, but it, it's it's my gift and I want to give it back to God. This is what David is saying. It's the same spirit 3,000 years earlier. He says, all this came from you. It was all yours in the first place. And, and then he, this is what I want you to take away. He says, I know, dear God, that you care nothing for the surface. You want what? You want us, our true selves. And so I've given from my heart, honestly and happily, and now see all these people doing the same, giving freely and willingly. What a joy. That word right there flies all over my heart. What a joy. I pray that this journey we're in is a joy. If, 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 if you feel like, I, I feel like I'm being coerced. I feel like the pastor's being a salesman. Don't give it. Just don't give. Because we, we, we don't need money. God's got plenty of money. We need unity. We need people who say, man, out of joy, we're going to do something bigger than ourselves. And we're just going to look up to heaven and say, God, everything I've got, it belonged to you anyways. So God, what a joy to return to you something you've poured richly into my life. And let me take you back to this line that I underlined in the notes. God cares nothing for the surface. He doesn't care what you look like or what people think about you. He doesn't care uh, what your political persuasion is. It's not what God's about. You know, people always, I'll just go ahead and step in the middle of this since I'm already talking on a subject of giving. You know, if I hadn't rubbed you the wrong way, I'll try harder with this. Um, People always want me to preach about politics. Want me to come out against this guy or that guy. And listen, I'm I'm probably against whoever you're against, just to be honest, all right? And for who you're for, probably. But you know what? I, I was thinking like, I want to get to the heart of a soul. I want to get to a man or woman's heart. That's what the gospel is meant for, to get all the way to your heart. If I get your heart, it will change how you vote. It'll change how you see life, how you talk to your spouse. Way more important than how you vote is how you talk to your spouse. Can I hear an amen? How you treat your children, how, how you cr- treat relationships, what you do with your money. Those things are way bigger. And, and I don't want to put fingernail polish on a pig. I feel like if I get up and I try to help somebody vote the way I think they ought to vote, all I did was put fingernail polish on the hooves of a pig. But if I touch your heart, if the gospel penetrates deep beyond you, it'll change more than your your fingertips. and It'll change more than your outward appearance. It'll change more than how you vote. It'll change everything about you. Let me tell you something. I'm not about to put the gospel of Jesus Christ secondary to any politician or political party. The church of Jesus Christ is bigger than that. Buy me a cup of coffee, I'll tell you exactly who you should vote for. I have no trouble with it. But this platform belongs to Jesus Christ. I'm not giving it up for anybody else. I heard a knucklehead on the radio radio show out of Birmingham one time talking about spineless preachers who are unwilling to talk about politics. I called him on the phone on how I got through. Was it the Holy Spirit or the devil? I'm still not sure who got me through I told him how spine-filled I was and how I was willing to talk about anything he wanted to talk about, but that I would not trade his radio show opinion for the gospel of Jesus Christ on the pulpit of God's Word. Not trading it. If you get this in your heart, if you get these words and this gospel in your heart, it'll tell you who to vote for how to vote he'll tell you what's right and wrong how to live your life but if I stand on the outside and I try to work you from the outside in I will never get to the core of what Jesus died for Jesus didn't die to get your guy back in the White House it's not why he died he died for something bigger than the White House he died for something bigger than all of us he says you want us Jesus wants you he wants you He wants your heart. He wants you to know Him. He wants you to fully surrender to make Him your Lord and Savior. And if you say, well, I'm going to do that when things get right. I'm going to do that when things change, when things settle down, when I have the time. There's one more verse I want to show you that the Apostle Paul says about waiting. He says, I tell you, come on, shout that word, y'all. Now is the time of God's favor. And right now is the day of salvation. Why would you wait if the favor of God... Is His goodness and His mercy and His undeserved grace over your life. Why would you wait another day? You know, I'm so messed up right now, I don't want God's favor in my life. My life is so upside down right now, I can't take God's grace. That's ridiculous. Right now is the time for His favor and salvation in your life.